I think that's one of the great things about our our bundle of brands now uh, that we touch so many different fan bases and you know our goal as an organization is to hold a mirror up to our community and to match the needs and wants and desires of our sports fans we saw that there was a flourishing young community of fans who are millennials and gen z who weren't subscribed to cable and that's why we also invested into esports. And we now own arguably the biggest and most successful team in the world called Team Liquid. That's Zach Leonsis, SVP, Strategic Initiatives at Monumental Sports Entertainment and General Manager of Monumental Sports Network, talking about the differences of each fan base they have under the Monumental umbrella. Don't forget, they've got the Wizards, the Caps, Valor, GoGo, Brigade, Mystics, Team Liquid, a lot of different fan bases there. In the pod, we dig into what they're doing every single day to better customers' experience in arena and fan engagement, from food and Bev to tech advances, but also transparency and how they communicate with their fans. I thought that was really intelligent and thoughtful about the word of transparency and how that pays dividends in your relationship with fans. Zach is always thoughtful, cerebral, and incredibly complimentary of others. It's no different in this conversation. There are a lot of people who talked about the Caps as being this overnight success story. And the truth is, it wasn't. This was a long, long time in the making that goes back to uh, when the team you know, was blown up and rebuilt entirely. And we won the draft lottery and had the great fortune of being able to draft Alex Ovechkin and collecting prospects. Um, that turn into all-star players or role players. Um, the fact that we were able to follow up and draft guys like Nicholas Backstrom um, and then later on Evgeny Kuznetsov and more and more players, um, all of it was the culmination of a lot of hard work. And our fans were along for that journey the entire time. It fed so much desire amongst our fan base to finally get over the hump get past the second round of the playoffs and to win the Stanley cup. And we knew that our team was capable of doing it. It was just a matter of when and how, and it, it also made the journey, I think that much more sweet and finally reaching the mountaintop that much more meaningful. Um, so I, I, I know that when we won the Stanley cup, it was a moment of euphoria for all of our fans. It was a euphoric moment for us to be able to say, Washington, D.C. is a city of champions. It was also incredibly rewarding to see, frankly, our players win. Our players have been at this for a long time. They sacrifice so much uh, physically and with their time um, to build a great team and to support each other. And, um, you know, our president of hockey operations, Dick Patrick, deserves much of the credit um, he is really a, 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 a legend. The Patrick family is storied in the NHL. As you may recall, one of the divisions used to be called after the Patrick family. Um, and so, you know, for, for Mr. Patrick to uh, have a Stanley Cup was a fantastic thing to, to see, too. And, you know, to see it all kind of come together during the championship parade, that was the mountaintop experience and as we went down constitution avenue and our players were throwing out 
you know, bracelets and, you know, championship necklaces and whatnot off of double decker buses and in front of nearly 700,000 fans on the national mall. Um, I, I think it really started to cement the lifelong memories that we've always strived to achieve in professional sports. I, I have um, some of those bracelets from my three kids on that parade, but I think they're all ripped as they were fighting over them as, <laughs> as Obi was tossing them out. So let, and, let, yeah. and, and your children are, are, you know, between what, 10 and 16 years yep, old. Exactly. So those are, are years where your children know exactly what's going on and they know how important that moment is. That is a moment they will always, always remember when they're in their 40s and 50s. They will come to a Caps game and go, I remember what it was like. I know we can get back there. And that's really an experience we, we're very lucky to have and share. Yeah, it's actually interesting. I, I see, certainly in Washington with my three kids, the amount of kids that are still wearing Stanley Cup champions shirts and hats 15 months later. Uh, you don't normally see from a kid perspective. So, so you hit that. Let me, let me ask, let me go back though. Cause you answered it. I think in that the fan base was there, they are loyal and they were just waiting to get over the hump to get to euphoria. So let me flip it then to say, while in the years where you hadn't got over the hump and you hadn't won the, the Stanley cup, what do you guys think you did from just player or from a business standpoint to make sure those fans were loyal? I mean, how did you keep the engagement up in the times where it wasn't as great as last year? Well, I, I think that hockey, unlike almost any other sport on the planet, is so unpredictable. And, you know, one bad call, one bad bounce um, can change everything. And uh, I think that our, a lot of our fans understand that, that it, it, there are many times where it, it could have been us, frankly, but it, it, it didn't. Um, and that's fine. I think that we deliver on a great experience for our fans. The in-game community that we've delivered is, I think, second to none. I think that the, our season ticket member base has forged relationships in that arena um, that are hard to replicate. And we do our best to really treat fans well. We, we, spend, uh, we spend time, we spend budget on our customer service team, on our guest relations group, and we want to build one-to-one direct-to-consumer relationships with, with, with each of our fans. And so we have people calling up fans after games saying, you know, hey, I heard it's uh, you know, your son's birthday next game. Can we have Slapshot stop by? You know, hey, I heard your seat was squeaky. Is there something I can do about it? We'll make sure it's attended to before the next, you know, the next next upcoming game we really do try to pay attention to detail and then i think we're transparent about a lot of the work that would happen on the cap side too to say hey we're disappointed too we have high expectations the expectation is to compete for a championship and we're not giving up we're not trying um you know of course there, there are media members and whatnot who during the course of the last dozen years would say oh you gotta trade this guy or trade that guy or some people would go as extreme to say oh you gotta blow the team up um i'm also glad that um you know the team was thoughtful and did what was right um and, and stuck to their guns in many many respects and they they evaluated the data 
and didn't uh, rely on, I would say, emotional decision making um, to strategize how to build a great team. So I think it's a matter of, of, of management and Dick Patrick and Mac and my dad, I think, deserve a, a lot of credit there. Our players deserve a lot of credit. And then our BizOps staff, Jim Van Stone and our, our ticket sales group and the you know, the individual care that they give each of our season ticket members, I think, is second to none. I think transparency is a really interesting word there. Uh, I expected you were going to go with the guest services or maybe uh, in arena experiences, but just that word of, you know, how you communicate with your fan base and letting them know where you stand and where you're happy and where you're not, I think, is is an important piece to this. You, you talked about just fan bases in general, and obviously within Monumental, you've got arena football, WNBA, and the NBA, and, and now in the gaming side too. Share a little bit about the differences between each of those fan bases. Um, yes, I, I, I think that's one of the great things about our our bundle of brands now uh, that we touch so many different fan bases. And, you know, our goal as an organization is to hold a mirror up to our community and to match the needs and wants and desires um, of our sports fans. Um, We saw that there was a flourishing young community of fans who were millennials and Gen Z who weren't subscribed to cable and that's why we also invested into esports, and we now own uh, arguably the biggest and most successful team in the world called Team Liquid. They compete in 13 different esports titles. They've won the League of Legends North American League Championship Series four times in a row now. We had a great Dota 2 team. Our CSGO team just won the major. We've launched an NBA 2K League franchise as well. Um, you know, we, we, we're trying to cater to so many different audiences leveraging a lot of different channels, their preferred mediums, essentially. Um, And I think we're also trying to be careful about giving each team their own identity. That's why they they each have their own marketing resources, their own uh, campaigns and slogans, um, their own personalities on social, the personality that our Wizard District Gaming account is very different than what our Washington Mystics social account will sound like, for example. Um, So it's all about individualism. We try to be fully integrated when it comes to, you know, taking advantage of scale, corporate partnerships level, building operations, database management, and the like. But I think when it comes to sales and marketing, we do get more individualized and specialized on the, uh, the, the, the individual brands. Is there effort, certainly going back to the Capitals run, the fun relationship you saw back and forth with the Nationals and Capitals uh, between the players and maybe within the organizations too, is, is there business effort to cross-pollinate? They're all, they're all unique as you suggest, but are there things that you do with the Mystics teams in, in making those fans then fans of other monumental uh, teams, or do you really treat them as individual properties? Sometimes there is crossover. I mean, I, I always think of myself as a DC sports fan. Yeah. I, I, I also love, you know, the nationals and I, you know, enjoy, you know, watching the, the NFL and whatnot. Um, but, 
when we see our data, there, there, there's a smaller crossover sometimes than you think between Wizards and Capitals fans, and we'd love to expand upon that. Um, but it also is what it is, and that's fine. Um, you know, we recently unveiled a brand new platform called Monumental Basketball, where we're, we've now kind of created these central services for the Wizards, for the Mystics, for the Go-Go, uh, for 2K. And so they're, they're, probably will be more cross-pollination in terms of marketing of those different teams um, just because we're, we're blending together some of the team operations too. Um, I think it's fabulous that we have so many of our Wizards and Go-Go players and our 2K League players um, cheering on the Mystics right now. The Mystics have had a historic season and, you know, regular season success is one thing, playoff success is another. We have one goal in mind, but we're led by the coach of the year and Mike Tebow. He's the winningest coach in WNBA history. And Elena Deladon, who just won the AP's player of the year, you know, won WNBA player of the week, player of the month several times. She is an elite company. She's in the 90 uh, 40 50 club um, that only guys like Larry Bird, Steve Nash, and uh, 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 Dirk Nowitzki, and a couple of other players have joined. She's the first. WNBA player to join that company. The Mystics are, you know, 12 players deep. And so to have our guys attending games, I know that we have the first couple of rounds off because we finished first overall in the regular season. But I know for a fact that we have Wizards players asking for lots of tickets so that they can <laughs> attend. You know, the entertainment and sports arena is going to be packed for these games. And um, it's the right message to send. Um, we're one of only three organizations in the, in the entire NBA that has all four of the NBA's platforms. Huh. It's us, Minnesota, and Indiana. And so that's what I think uh, was, was a um, one of the unique reasons why we could pursue sort of an unveil of something like Monumental Basketball. And it's a familial sort of feeling there everyone's housed in the same building and uh you know i know that some of our you know go-go uh, uh team and, and and some of our coaching staff are, are scrimmaging against the mystics and whatnot a lot too so so there's a lot of crossover there um which is fantastic and in terms of sports and teams outside of monumental we have a great relationship with the other teams um we even got great support from the baltimore orioles and baltimore is a really really important um you know piece of the puzzle for us we really embrace baltimore we when the capitals won the stanley cup we brought the stanley cup both to nats park for a nationals game a couple days after we won we also made sure it, it made a visit to uh to camden yards and visited the orioles in baltimore as well so we're we're very very proud of our baltimore ties yeah and as and as you keep talking about fan engagement and interacting uh from properties to fan I know you and, and the whole organization is, is tech forward. So how about either, it doesn't have to be investments, but technologies you guys are using and maybe are new in the last several years that are trying to help create better fan engagement in arena. Well, we just uh, are about to complete phase two of uh, a big cycle of renovations. Last summer, we invested $40 million into our building to redo our concourse level, new seats, um, new lighting and the like. This summer, we're putting in an additional 15 to 20. And I think when our fans walk into the building, into the Arena Bowl for the first time, probably the preseason or, or really Capitals opening night, first weekend of October, 
people should be blown away by the new LED and center hung display that they're going to see. It is unlike anything that's been built before. Of course, it's an arms race now when it comes to <laughs> arena center hugs. Yep. You see the big widescreen systems like they have in Tampa and Houston and Indiana. This is not a widescreen, it, it's, it's, but it's a modular, um, multifaceted center hung that, that, that can actually adjust in size and will feature a lot of data. We're also installing a sky ring into the arena, which is sort of an additional LED band that will hang above um, people's heads closer to the ceiling. It's a very, very unique experience, almost similar to what Atlanta and the Falcons have at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, but within an arena. And we're also installing these four dual-sided TVs um, in each of the corners of the arena as well. Um, that'll really start to track uh, a lot more data about what what's happening in the game. So there's certain th certainly things that are happening in the in arena experience. Um, we've also done a lot of work with Alibaba, and our head of business intelligence, Adam Heinz, deserves a lot of credit for this. You know, we're managing literally millions uh, of, of of accounts, millions of emails, millions of addresses, and you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of credit card data. And we're trying to leverage that data within our arena, people uh, purchasing F&B, where they're entering the building from and scanning their ticket in to start to personalize and tailor experiences and also send notifications to people to either offer them special discounts on products, to thank them for experiences, for to thank them for showing up earlier <laughs> so that our lines don't get longer and to incentivize that. Um, just trying to think of ways to advise and, and enhance personal experiences too. So that, that's been a really fantastic product uh, or project for us. And then we've done a lot of work um, on the, uh, the gaming side too. I think there's obviously a lot of work being done on sports betting and a lot of teams are looking for ways to activate. I think that we will have something meaningful to unveil in the future. Um, but, you know, I think the work that NBC Sports Washington has done led by Damon Phillips um, to unveil last year's alternate predict the game feeds around Wizards games uh, was really, really exciting. It was first of its kind. We're very, very supportive of that. And we want to roll that out in a bigger way this season and also potentially against NHL games too. So um, there's a lot going on, and we actually will probably have some additional tech announcements later this fall that I can't wait to get out there. Are, are fan expectations in arena different than they were five, ten years ago? Hmm... Yeah, I think they are because, uh, you know, talking about the arms race, there yep. are so many arenas that are getting major renovations done to them and they're, you know, keeping up with brand new arena projects that are being built uh, across the country. Um, we only own our footprint um, within our, our building. We don't own any of the surrounding real estate around Capital One Arena. Um, but we are lucky in that the game day experience around our building really is fabulous. You know, there are about 150 restaurants within a three to five block radius of the building. There's 170 retail locations. We get the second busiest metro station underneath our building with the number one pickup and drop off destination for Uber. So we're highly accessible, mm -hmm. which is really, really important, very easy to get 
in and out of our building. Um, and obviously we have such a great location. You know, we're located in the heart of Penn Quarter in Washington, D.C. So there are some, I would say, inherent advantages that, that we have just based on our, our location that, that reflect well on us. Um, but then we've really tried to do our best to you know, raise the game on F and B. And so we've done a lot of work with test kitchens. We have a great partnership with Aramark. Um, they do all of our, our, our hospitality areas as well as all of our concourse level activations. Part of our renovations were focused on uh, re- redoing all of our kitchens, frankly, hmm. and, and, and upping the game on, on all food quality too. Um, we've experimented with things like, um, you know, mobile delivery and, and fast tracking lanes. I think that that can be more difficult than, than people think to pull off. And, um, it seems so simple and, and, and straightforward, but not everyone activates around it. You know, you, you have some things that, uh, go really, really well and some things that, you know, you learn from, um, but Dave Tulia, president of venues, I think has created a, experience a capital one arena that is amazing and up to date with any arena in the country i think that we also have to place a huge emphasis and focus on security too we're in washington dc and so we really take that quite seriously um in terms of screening and making sure that all of our fans are in a a a safe environment as well but there's no doubt that the game day experience has transcended just being a game for fans it is an all-out experience, and every single component from, from leaving for the game to eating before the game to, to watching the game to the intermissions to halftime to, the, to departure all the way home, it all ties to that sort of central event that, um, that we help to host. And I'm sure Tui and your business intelligence and other others in in marketing and customer service every day are are learning and visiting other venues and trying to figure out what are the best game day experience or just customer experience. More curious about you personally in terms of how do you learn about who, or or where you are a fan of. A player, an, another team, a property. It doesn't even have to be in sports. It could be in music or entertainment. But one that you look at and you say, they've really, it may even be a brand, whether they've really figured out the fan experience or they're cutting edge. Are there any that come to mind that just in your own personal learning and, and trying to keep the organization ahead of the curve? Well, I think that one of our great privileges is working in uh, the NBA and the NHL. And, um, you know, they both have central services. I think that the NBA has really developed a full and robust sort of, you know, internal agency and and teambo. And so we're constantly learning about best practices across the league. And I think that both leagues' all-star games have become great um, meeting points and, and sort of almost league-wide conferences um, to learn from. You know, the NBA Tech Summit has turned into something that I'm, like, totally blown away with. You get the CEOs of some of the most important businesses on the planet all together with the 30 teams um, rallying around sports. And uh, it goes to show that our leagues have transcended, I think, sports. They touch on so many different industries now, whether it be media, whether it be esports, whether it be sales and marketing, venue management, venture capital investing, 
you know, new technologies and VR and AR and, and, and automated production and streaming. And I mean, there's just a lot going on. Um, I, I, I'm not sure if there, uh, there are a lot of mm-hmm. exemplar organizations and I think that all of them have their individual strengths and individual points of pride. And so we can learn from so many different organizations out there. I think it's hard to just sort of pinpoint one we're uh, far from perfect and, and are always trying to adjust i think the places where we are more most curious is um you know adding new um revenue streams launching new businesses and emerging categories and we've really spent a lot of investment and time in areas like streaming in esports and sports betting um, and we'd like to continue to grow. We, uh, my, my, my dad's mandate as CEO of Monumental has been to have his foot on the gas, and uh, and we he is unrelenting in that sense, which I think is a really exciting uh, thing for us. It's a great uh, environment to work in um, because everyone wants to be in a growing company. So I think the companies that aren't afraid to take risks and are willing to grow and willing to invest, those are the, the organizations that I think people want to work in. I think they're the organizations that have the most success. And um, I can tell you that <laughs> we are not afraid of risk and, uh, and, and we are willing to invest to back into our core products as well as our new emerging products too. And that's The Bond. See you next week.